portfolio is accidental landlords um, or accidental owners. They're people who uh, previously lived in their properties. They've decided to move to the next property and wanted to keep the other one as a rental. It was not intentionally purchased as a rental um, through the purchasing process. It's usually like, I love this home. I'm going to live in it and now it's rental. So um, there, there's, it brings a lot of um, conversations to the table about navigating that, um, how to do. I could not thank you enough for tuning in every week with me on The Dwelling Show. We've been doing this for more than two years now, actually. Um, this is um, when the 200s now about the episode of the show. I just want to take this time out to really thank you so much, but also to remind you that if you're not on the dwelling deal list, make sure you sign up so you don't miss out on deals. Actually, we we have a deal on the contract right now. So for these kinds of deals, to learn more about what, what we're doing, to learn about how we structure deals, feel free to go on the website dwelling.com or investwithola.com and you would see um, a pop-up box or just drop um, your email in the contact us um, form and we'll reach out to you so you'll get plugged in with what we're doing again i really appreciate you for tuning in every week sometimes i feel like nobody is listening on the other side until i get emails or dms from you on instagram or facebook and saying thank you for you know spitting out content every week um, it's a ton of work but i'm so glad to do it and it's my honor to deliver value every week um to you um, our listeners thank you so much thank you so much for joining us on dwelling show i'm your host all Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today, Janet Fields. Hey, Janet, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me today. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Let's um, definitely jump right into it. So do you want to tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and what you've been doing lately? Yes. So I'm Janet Fields, CEO of Oak Trust, Trust Properties, co-owner. It is a small um, family started business. We've been in business since 09. Um, I grew up enjoying art and I went to school for graphic design and then I went into uh, government contracting and I learned through those things um, that collaboration and critiques really get you um, the knowledge that you need to know where your weaknesses are, where you can improve and uh, just how to work together with others and be accepting of their opinions or not. Uh, so through that collaboration um, of art, which has been so um, embedded and just me, I just can't not create no matter which um, aspect, visually, through business, um, at home in the garden. I just learned that those are some ways that I really want to run my company is be collaborative, um, give critical feedback, not just, you know, negative feedback. It's critical feedback that you can do something with and um, to always strive to improve, to always strive to be better and to not just sit still like a shark. If you're not going forward, you'll drown. I love it. What a good start. Very different. And I can tell you artistic or for those watching this or we'll be watching this on video. I can I can see your backdrop. You got a beautiful um, creation back there. So I, I can mm -hmm. I can kind of yeah, I can get a feel. So just kind of tell us um, about your, your business, um, kind of what it encompasses, what you guys actually focus on at Oak Trust Properties and just kind of give us um, kind of a story of, of, of how you started um, your Perfect. company. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my dad um, moved our family here to Charleston. Well, actually, both my parents moved our family here to Charleston um, about the time I was born in 85. 
And he really enjoyed um, buying and selling properties when he was in the Navy. And when we got to Charleston, my mom no longer wanted to move. She was like, we're putting down roots. You can go and come back when you're done with the Navy, but we're, this is it. So my dad, um, he couldn't really handle not buying and selling. So we ended up getting his license because he enjoyed it so much. Then he found out that property management, um, as he bought his own investment properties, was really nice, like, you know, constant income. That mailbox money is really nice to depend on. You didn't have to run out on Sunday and drive people all around for, for a thank you and no clothes. So he really appreciated that. Um, other real estate agents started giving him properties. Um, his clients started giving him properties. And over time, um, he built a, a portfolio. And then we've done a few acquisitions along the way. I did my first acquisition in uh, 20. 15, 2015, I believe, 2014. And then um, together, we uh, we actually ran our businesses parallel at that point. And then we joined forces in 2018 through another acquisition, and it brought us to um, just over 600 properties. Uh, so we manage now over 500 uh, single-family homes. Uh, about 80 to 90% of our portfolio is accidental landlords um, or accidental owners. They're people who uh, previously lived in their properties. They've decided to move to the next property and wanted to keep the other one as a rental. It was not intentionally purchased as a rental um, through the purchasing process. It's usually like, I love this home. I'm going to live in it. And now it's rental. So um, there, there's, it brings a lot of um, conversations to the table about navigating that, um, how to deal with the cost, um, how to deal with the stress. So it's a lot of coaching along the way with that type of client. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of mediation. It's definitely a challenge. That's definitely where we are. Yeah, I love it. You're probably the first person um, I've dealt with a few property management companies, more than a few. <laughs> and I just love that passion because um, it, it really is a, a, a thankless job because it's like a hotel. You guys run 24 hours, seven days a week, right? Somebody yeah. calls in the middle of the night, you, you, you have to be there for them, you know, as an emergency. So I, I totally get it. Um, so, I mean, I just bought a property, um, you know, a 44 unit building three well, four weeks ago, mm. and we have a new property manage, um, management company that we've just kind of inherited with the asset. So this is, you know, the topic of property management is really fresh. Um, it's very fresh. Um, as a matter of fact, I was, I was on site yesterday um, working with the on-site manager. So it, it's a lot of work. Um, but I want to ask you some fresh questions too. I mean, what are the, what are the red flags to look for, um, you know, before choosing um, a property management company or manager? So communication is um, essential in any relationship. So if they're not answering the phone, there's an issue there. Um, you also don't want any high pressure sales going into a contract. They, it should be a mutual uh, relationship. You want to kind of date them first, you know, talk to them, find out how they run things. It's not like, oh, you can do the job. Let's just hurry up and sign. You want to know how they're going to do it, what it's going to look like and what to expect along the way. Um, willingness to bend their processes to meet your needs. Um, to me, that that kind of expresses um, desperation and hunger. Um, and also, if they are an established company and they're, you know, bending their processes and procedures, how effective can they really be unless they're a very small company and it's maybe one or two people running it? Um, so that's something you want to look out for is the human error rate when you have a variation of a bunch of different clients and contracts. So that's one of the reasons why larger companies don't want to, you know, um, bend the rules. It also brings on liability because we're going to upset our client because we can't deliver. 
Um, knowing vacancy rates is a really good one. It's not just, you know, how many days was it on market? Like how many days was it vacant? Because those are the days that actually affect you. Uh, we want to know how many days that, you know, you're not making money and um, what's, what's their goal? Is it seven days? Is it 14 days? Is it 30 days? They have houses sitting for 60 days. Um, and then allowing landlords to approve their applications. You don't want to do that. You don't want that liability. Let the company hold that liability and just don't even, don't even look at it uh, because you can ask for um, their policy around it and they can show it to you and they should have a really clear policy of saying, you know, it's this credit score, it's this rental verification, um, it's this with pets, it's this with ESA, ESL animals. Um, they should have stipulations around all those things and they should stick to them really well to reduce, reduce liability for the company and for you. Um, so, yeah, those are just a few of the red flags that um, you can look out for and yeah, it's not a bad thing that a property manager sticks to their lease to the management agreement. It's really good for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm taking notes um, pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I picked up a couple of a, a couple of red flags right there. But okay, so this is not a this is not you know relative to me. This is just a question I wanted to ask you. So how do you know when to actually fire a, a current property manager if they're not you know meeting your benchmarks or you know vacancies so high or they're just not doing what they're supposed to do? Yeah, so if they don't have a goal for when that property should be rented, like how many days vacant it should be on the market, and then it, we're getting to a month, like there's a problem, especially in today's market. It should be like a week or two. Um, and if you pre-lease, it should almost be zero. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is if we don't know what's going to happen before it happens, if you're constantly having to ask and they're like, I don't know, or... Um, they should be have a roadmap for every client that comes through. So they should be able to be telling you what's next, um, what to expect and what that looks like. And here's your options. It shouldn't be like a, a new puzzle to them every time. They should have done this hundreds of times and like hundreds of variations. And it should be quick succession for them to answer these questions, lead you through the process with your options and then move forward quickly. If you're not getting communication, if you've had two evictions in a year, something's not wrong with their application, something's wrong with their application process. If you're chasing rent all the time, uh, they should be chasing the rent. Uh, they really shouldn't be chasing the rent. Uh, asking them that question before you hire is pretty nice. What's your delinquency rate? Um, what's your goal delinquency rate? That's another one. Do they have a goal or are they just kind of winging it? Um, so those are some things that I would look for. Yeah, I, I think those are pretty pretty good lists. Um, so of course we're just um, hopefully past a pandemic, um, COVID nineteen. Um, mm -hmm. We're now getting to um, even past the new normal, or maybe we are in the new normal. Who knows anymore? Um, so how do you think you know property management companies or, or property managers can actually prepare for things like? you know, pandemics and just kind of unforeseen circumstances. Cause I think that's when you start to see the cracks um, in mm -hmm. some of the, you know, some of the companies. So what, what are kind of your, your thoughts on that? Cause that was a big um, one in Texas for us. Oh yeah. It was huge. I think everywhere, everywhere. we saw a lot of stress. Um, I'm part of NARPA national association of property managers. And uh, there's a few online groups where, you know, there's about a thousand people. We all stay pretty active in there. We all reach out and help each other. Uh, so little things like that, being connected um, to a professional network, uh, staying up to date with laws and regulations, keeping your business up to date, keeping up with technology that you can lean on that can support your company, um, and having really good professional connections is great. 
Uh, one of the things that we all tend to do is we look to the states that are what we call ahead of us. Um, so East Coast versus West Coast, uh, North versus South, Sun Belt versus, you know, uh, the heartland, like they all have different focuses. Like there's landlord friendly states and there's um, more resident friendly states. And when you kind of look at them, you can see how they're navigating the law before it's an issue for us. And hopefully it won't be an issue for us, this thing. But leaning on other professionals who have solved the problem and be able to reach out to them saying, hey, um, we see that you've been doing this for about five to seven years. It's just now starting to enter our market or, you know, legislative inflation is starting to change. Um, can I pick your brain? Uh, so having those professional uh, connections already in place are great. Another place we'd like to look to is Australia. Uh, we say that they're about 20 years ahead of us. So looking to see how they're handling things is, is nice. Um, I know South Carolina law is a lot more lenient than um, many other places, so it's a little easier for us to navigate. Um, we really call the uh, the people in uh, Washington and California like real experts. Um, they have so many things to navigate, so it's fun to find out um, the hurdles they've been working with. Fascinating. Wasn't expecting mm -hmm. that answer. That's really, really oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So business will sell too. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned in the beginning you guys have about 600 properties uh, most of that 500 of those are mainly single family mm -hmm. um you know residences owned by you know accidental landlords people that didn't know they were going to rent their, their homes um so of course this is a pretty um different kind of um, demographic clientele unlike someone like me you know i mm -hmm. buy a big apartment building so I immediately need a property manager, <laughs> but if I have one or two homes and I'm kind of thinking, uh, you know, I can, I can do this myself. Maybe I don't really need a property manager, you know, and there's some folks like that, right? We couple of, homes. Oh yeah. Everybody's like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so when is the time to, to say, Hey, I, I need to get a property manager. When do you think is that right time? Um, so I think it's the right time. First, you, you kind of need to know, like, one of my things that I decide if it's right for me to physically do or not is I know how much my hourly rate is. And if my hourly rate exceeds what, um, what this takes to do, then I shouldn't be doing it because I'm doing something lower value and I can bring somebody in who's more cost effective to do that thing. So um, if I'm a lawyer and I'm taking off on the weekend to go trash out a house, or to turn a house and paint, and I've taken a week off work, um, I'm now in a deficit. But if we would have hired somebody to come in and paint the house, that probably would have been far more cost effective for me to continue to work as a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, by the way, just want to get that out there. Good um, to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you can handle negotiation and mediation, if you can detach emotionally from the property, I think you would be ready to be, um, a, you know, an active landlord who manages a resident and follows a lease. Um, if you have a lease that you can follow and you completely understand um, and you you lean on it and you have a schedule out, that's one thing um, that you would want. You'd want a group of vendors that you know who you can rely on and you're going to call and they're going to show up and do what you need them to do. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. People management's a big one. People definitely overlook how much um, mediation goes goes in place because as the resident um, they feel like this home is their resource it is their safety and security and as a client they see this as their future and um, also their safety and security so we when there's somebody um, there's conflict we're fighting over the same resource 
and we try not to fight, but naturally it kind of happens. So the mediation factor is greatly overlooked. I, I could not agree more. So of course, now we have the interest rates been rising and it looks like they will continue to rise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts just generally, of course, you're in, you're in you know, Charleston, South Carolina. So can you kind of tell us what you're seeing in the market? I think kind of, um, I think it's coming down or are you guys still ever busy? Uh, you know, I used to get in people buying a lot of houses, giving you guys to manage. What are your general feel of the market? Yeah. So are the slowing down of selling because we have accidental owners, they're seeing the opportunity to sell and we're seeing a slowdown of that, which is great for us. Um, we're seeing a not, I don't even think we're seeing a slowdown of applications coming out, which is crazy. Like we're completely inundated with applications because the volume of the product that we have on market is so low and the need is so great um, that the prices aren't going down. That's what we're seeing is prices are still steadily going up. Um, They should be, I just went to a conference recently and they had the Zillow analyst there and they said that um, they're expecting kind of a flatten out around Q2 next year. Um, And they also said that um, the West coast is far more, um, uh, interest rate, mortgage rate uh, sensitive than we are just because of their cost of living is so much higher that it usually affects them and slows down their market and not as much the rest of the area. And then we still have supply chain issues. Um, builders, they still have good margins um, where they could adjust if they wanted to. Um, so all these things are really strong for, for our market still. Like nothing, we're still getting like 101, 102 of our asking prices. So it's not really slowing down. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 could, I can definitely agree with some of the things you said. Yeah. Of course it's market specific, but yeah. Well, Jenna, I can keep talking to you on and on and on. I really appreciate the conversation, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. Is that going okay. to be quick questions? Quick sure. answer. Ready, ma'am? Let's do it. All right. First question. What makes you Janet unique? What is that? differentiating factor that's separate to you from the next girl or the next guy you can use your your company too yeah um so i come up with a lot of solutions i'm not afraid to throw answers that are wild and crazy i'm always up for a good time and uh i'm there to raise my hand and say let's do it anytime good answer next question what was the last book that you read and what was the one thing that you picked up from that book? I see you got a bookshelf behind you. So. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I'm reading uh, Women Don't Ask, which is really interesting. Um, it's about um, our culture, how we're being taught not to ask for raises, not to ask for anything like that. It says, the shows like the, the sexism divide behind that. Um, and one of my favorite books that I've read recently is um, The Hard Thing About the Hard Thing. And that's a good business book. Um, it has a lot of difficult conversations and a lot of things were eye-opening on how I could have better handled things in the past. So um, I didn't always, short answers, sorry. No, 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 yeah. no, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's a great book. Yeah, handling some situations in the past within a company, I wish I would have handled better and I didn't know how to because I didn't have the right resources. And hindsight, listening to that book, I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, that was perfect. Like it would have been so uncomfortable, but that was so perfect. That's what I'm gonna do next time if that happens. So that was huge. It's just the beauty of knowledge, right? Like you don't know what you don't know, right? So Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, final question. What do you do for fun? You're the CEO, um, you know, of a, of a big, relatively big, you know, property management company. What do you do for fun? 
Um, I like a good challenge and I also like a lot of change. So um, I have a garden in my backyard, a wildlife garden. I have a very small yard, but it's just packed with peach trees and blueberry bushes and peppers and tomatoes and all sorts of flowers for um, hummingbirds and the birds and lizards. Me and my son found that lizard egg out there just last week. We decided to bring it in, put it in a terrarium, put some heat under it, and we hatched it in like a week. It was amazing. So. Um, wow. We like that kind of stuff. I like to run, um, do triathlons. Uh, this year I'm scheduled to do a marathon, my first marathon at the end of the year. Um, and my family together, we like to bike ride a lot and hike. So we keep wow. busy. Yeah, you, I was going to say busy, busy, busy. Janet, um, really appreciate this. If there's anyone listening and maybe they want to get connected with you in South Carolina or wherever they are in the country, what's the best place people can find you, reach out to you, get connected with you? Yes, yeah, so oaktrustproperties.com. We have a nice little website there. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. My personal name, LinkedIn, and on Facebook, Instagram, um, all the, pretty much all the social media places, standards. Awesome. So. Awesome. Janet, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it.